Welcome to your number one source of information on women's pelvic health. On this podcast, you will hear from medical experts, pelvic health professionals, holistic healers, and patients themselves in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about regaining and maintaining your pelvic health and becoming your own best advocate for your pelvic floor, the most vital part of our bodies as women. All of the conversations are intimate, raw, and unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. Today, I am here with Mindy Picard, the founder of Three Treasures Acupuncture. Thanks for being here, Mindy. Thank you. We've been trying to plan this for a while, so I'm happy that we finally made it work, and I finally got to see this beautiful space. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very excited for you to share with everyone what you do, and I mean, what you do is very interesting because you focus a lot on, on pelvic pain, which most acupuncturists don't focus specifically on. So, I mean, you, you are a tremendous wealth of knowledge. You have such amazing information and skills, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. So Mindy is the founder of Three Treasures Acupuncture, a serene oasis of healing in downtown Manhattan. She has earned a reputation for treating all kinds of women's health issues, including fertility and menopause, pelvic pain and pelvic floor dysfunction in men and women, musculoskeletal pain conditions, allergies, and cosmetic acupuncture. She uses the most current evidence-based research and integrates Eastern and Western medical philosophy into her work. She is committed to providing personal healing service to each and every client encouraging all of her patients to be passionate advocates for their own healing and well-being. So thank you again for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Is there anything else that, well, we'll get into more um, details about you, the work that you do, Um, but the first question that I wanted to ask you was to give us a little bit of a background as to how you got started in the field of acupuncture and more specifically, with this focus that you have on pelvic pain, which is pretty unique. I came to acupuncture as a patient. I was a stressed out corporate executive and was referred to acupuncture by my physical therapist. This was 15 years ago. It's actually, I'm celebrating my 15th anniversary. Congratulations. As an acupuncturist, (laughs) thank you. Um, So about eight years ago, I became the acupuncturist at Soho OBGYN with Dr. Dina Harris, Dr. Eden Fromberg, and the late, great Dr. Deb Cody. That practice was on the cutting edge of pelvic pain care, so I had great mentors. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Harris, we've talked about, is my current gynecologist. Right. We share a love for her. We do. We share a great love for her. We're we're in the Dr. Harris fan club. (laughs) Okay, so you became interested in acupuncture out of your own personal need for acupuncture exactly but it wasn't pelvic pain it was chronic neck pain chronic neck pain and then you had this big career change right exactly i was a uh entertainment marketing executive for 20 something years which i just learned about you a few weeks ago when you told me that um and you decide like tell us a little bit about how you decided that was not the right life for you anymore and 
what really made you want to become an acupuncturist? Well, I had a yeah, I had a very glamorous career mm-hmm. and I did pretty good, but um, I think it was you know making me sick. I was always yeah. stressed out, and uh, I don't think I was a natural. I don't have the natural killer instinct that it takes to be. Uh, to go to the top, top, top. Right. So, uh, so I was, you know, really stressed out and mm-hmm. had chronic pain. And what what kind of pain did you have? I had the neck pain. Um, I also suffered from endometriosis. Right. Um, so, I decided to, and I was really into alternative healing. Uh-huh. So I finally was sent to an acupuncturist, and I loved it. Um, and at one point, when I was at one of the companies, I realized I was in my 40s and I realized that corporate America is not so nice to women, especially mothers. And, you know, there's all these young men coming up the ranks and they could stay till 10 o'clock at night. And of course, as a mother, I couldn't. And I just figured that I, it was time for me to change my life. So my other thing that I was passionate about besides movies was, <laughs> was alternative health. And, Acupuncture was the most interesting. And then how did you become interested in pelvic pain? That happened serendipitously Mm -hmm. because I started working at Soho OBGYN. Um, And it wasn't until I started working there that I started connecting the dots about my own health and having been an endo warrior. But I was an endo warrior in the early 80s when, you know, endometriosis was treated differently. And you got um, pregnant with endo. I got pregnant with endo. Baby, I never pregnancy. even had it excised. Right. I back in those days, if you didn't have, if you had a mild case, they just put you on birth control pills. Is that what they did for you? That's what they did for me. So I was put on birth control pills, and it pretty much took care of the pain. And that's what I was. You know that there wasn't that much of a focus mm. on patient, you know, education. Right. So I didn't make a big deal about it. When I was trying to get pregnant, I was nervous about the fact that I had had endo. Um, But I don't know. The universe was aligned in my favor. Only took us three months. Wow. At 41 years old. Wow. (laughs) So I want you to explain how acupuncture can help with chronic pain. And since the focus of this podcast is pelvic pain, we can get into how acupuncture can help with pelvic pain specifically. Um, in the beginning of the podcast, I think it was maybe episode three or four, I had another acupuncturist, but this topic really hasn't been explained in over a year now. And I know that there's a lot of new listeners and a lot of people who are really interested in Eastern, more, you know, alternative Eastern healing modalities. So I want you to give a good explanation so people can understand how acupuncture can help them. Okay, so acupuncture is a full body-mind modality, gently balancing all the systems of the body at one time. The first thing it affects is the nervous system, which is why many people fall asleep on the table. I usually always do. Right? So it affects the nervous system, and that's the most important system for us to affect with pelvic pain patients because so many of them are upregulated. So that's the first thing it affects. Then it affects all the other systems of the body. Um, and once you change the nervous system, the level of pain changes. 
the perception of the level of pain changes as well. And really, what's the difference there? Mm -hmm. um, so those are usually body, distal body points. Um, then we also work on the local musculature of the pelvic girdle to release the tight muscles that may be causing the pain in the region. And this is a unique thing that you do. Right, most acupuncturists do not needle in the perineum or the pubic ramus uh, or around the anus or anything like that. So the next question that I have for you is essentially, you just answered it, but is what differentiates you and, and your practice and the approach that you take from other acupuncturists. And I know that you needle in these areas, but I want you to explain how you know you came to do this and, and why so few practitioners do this. Okay. Um, so the perineum is the beginning of a meridian called the conception vessel. So there, the first point on that meridian is in the perineum. Underneath the tailbone, between the tailbone and the rectum, is another first point on another meridian, and that's called the governing vessel. So you've got these, this is the names of the points. You've got CV1 and DO1 in the same area. This is a, this is a tangent question, but do, is, do men and women leave their underwear on, or do you have to, you have to no, take it I'm off? No, if I'm going to needle there, you, you to take, take your underwear off. off. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And do people feel uncomfortable when they come in, or they're mm -hmm. like, in pain they're happy to have you doing this because it's so helpful most patients are going to pelvic pt anyway so they're used to so it. they're used to right. it nonetheless unless somebody insists on it i do not needle in the private area on the first appointment mm -hmm. i figure they need a chance to get to know me to see what my needling style mm -hmm. is i have a very gentle needling style so i want to make sure they feel comfortable with me as a practitioner you said only three other acupuncturists? In, in the, New York City. Oh, in New York City. I said th the United States. There's two other people that I know of in New York that City. work on pelvic pain in New York City, in Manhattan. So if, if someone's seeing an acupuncturist for pelvic pain and they're not needling in the perineum area, do you think that the acupuncture can still help? Or yes, you I think, think it still can help tremendously. Uh -huh. um, and in fact, I had... Uh, yesterday, somebody emailed me from um, Atlanta who had seen the pelvic... Um, Summit. Yes. Mm -hmm. So she emailed me and I sent her an email back and I said, you know, I don't know of any pelvic acupuncturists in the Atlanta area, but any kind of a, a good acupuncturist is going to do you good mm -hmm. because it's going to lower your, you know, it's going to downregulate you. And, it's, and there's a lot of pelvic patients have... Um, Back, Problems back, right. hips, adductors, me, I have, you know, yeah. the glutes, all that whole area, the abdominal muscles, that can all be improved right. with acupuncture. Can you also talk about how acupuncture helps? When it helps to calm the nervous system, it's also helping with anxiety and the mental emotional aspect of chronic pain and how that helps to relieve chronic pain? Yes, yes. So it, how does that work? Well, besides dialing down- The physical. Right. Mm -hmm. It's also balancing from a Chinese medicine perspective, it's balancing the different organ energetics and the meridians. 
So, you know, I don't, I don't want to give a whole primer on right. Chinese medicine theory, but you know, the we're trying to either beef up or tone down certain aspects, um, and trying to balance the disharmony in the body that mm -hmm. does affect. So in some ways, like when people have rumination, right. and they're always thinking the same thing over and over and again. And anyone who has chronic pain has could ruminating have that. thoughts. Yeah. I know I, I have been told all the time, like you're ruminating. Right, so that in Chinese medicine is considered a spleen disharmony. Oh. Um, so That's there's fear is a kidney disharmony. Not necessarily your kidney organs, but the organ energetics, the whole system in Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very interesting. So interesting. Another acupuncture point is the tibial nerve, which like, you... It's called spleen six. Oh, spleen. Okay, spleen six. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, which we've talked about and my physical therapists have told me about. Can you explain what this point does and how you can work on this point? So this point is very close to the tibial nerve, okay. and that goes up the leg, th through the spleen meridian, up through the genitals, and toward the bladder. And so... The point of it is to control bladder dysfunction, one of the points one, of it. Yes, and so um, Western medicine, allopathic medicine, has taken it on from acupuncture. They, somebody must have learned about it in the acupuncture world, and so they've made their own gizmo, um, and they call it percutaneous um, tibial nerve stimulation. Mm -hmm. So they put one needle into spleen six, and then they hook up this stim machine, and urologists do that. And person goes for 12, the, the protocol is 12 sessions. Acupuncturists- Once a, Once a week? Yeah. Uh -huh. Acupuncturists have been doing this for a long time, with stem we do bilateral at spleen six plus we do another bilateral at a kidney point and so it's a little bit more than what the urologists are doing but it's basically the same thing right using a stem machine that's really interesting and have you seen this work yes yeah yeah on yeah bladder Fre frequency urgency. Frequency. Uh -huh. urgency i i told you i'm gonna come try this yeah because that's one of the few remaining problems that I cannot seem to get to go away. So I call, mm -hmm. when I use um, the stim machine, I always call that uber acupuncture. Right. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Do you use it often? I use the stim machine a lot, not just for, um, not just for the mm -hmm. bladder stuff. I use it for muscular stuff. I use it around the spine a lot. Um, different frequencies have different healing properties. So some is for pain, some frequencies, some frequency is for wound healing, some is for inflammation. All of it is good. It creates more ATP in the cells. So how do you decide when you're going to use it and when you're not? It's just, yeah. You just make a decision. You make a decision. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I use it a lot. You, uh -huh. So I would say I use it you know, probably 70% in pain patients. Right. And I know, as you said in the beginning, you have, you, you used to work for Soho Gynecology and you have a very close relationship with the best pelvic pain gynecologists in the country, if not the world. So can you talk a little bit about what 
this network of practitioners looks like and how you refer out to other specialists and how other specialists refer patients to you and you know what does this like collaboration amongst the pelvic health community look like um so i have a good relationship with many pelvic pts with physiatrists with gi doctors gynecologists urologists uh, nutritionists psychotherapists yoga and pilates instructors um, i would say that the pelvic community of practitioners is the most collaborative it's a, it's a wonderful experience mm -hmm. you know i work by myself but because of these relationships i feel like i work with a team a lot um, acupuncture is not the first line of defense for pelvic pain so I really do if somebody calls me out of the blue and they weren't referred I always ask them are you see who are you seeing as a gynecologist who are you seeing as a podiatrist and a pain doctor you know I want mm -hmm. what PT are you going to a pelvic PT place so right. I want to make sure they're getting the right help even before acupuncture right and who refers to you? A combination of physical therapists, exactly, gynecologists. Yes. Uh huh. Yes. Um, and then, at what point in a patient's journey, healing journey, do you usually see them, or does it run the spectrum? It runs the spectrum, but um, I would say it's usually, you know, usually people have had. A, it takes a while to find the right doctors mm -hmm. and the right physical therapists. Um, New York is obviously easier than other markets because there is so there's so many resources here. Um, but usually it's, you know, people have usually had it for a year or two mm -hmm. before they come in to see me. Right, which is unfortunately probably that's like normal because yeah. that's how long it takes to decide that this is something you have to deal with. Right. Might um, even take that long to get a real diagnosis. Exactly. Um. So what advice do you have in regards to how someone can go about finding a qualified acupuncturist, especially if they have pelvic pain? So as I said before, that even if the acupuncturist is not trained in pelvic, there's a value to adding acupuncture uh, to the treatment plan. Uh, over time, it helps dial down the central nervous system and balance everything in the body and it subtly changes the body-mind for the better. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I would say is that, you know, maybe may, there might be some practitioners out there mm -hmm. in other parts of this, the country that are bold and will take this on if patients ask them to. Right. So... Um, and is that a risky thing to do, or is it pretty harmless if I, I I think it's more um, I think it's more in our mind that we're nervous you know right. it's still the perineum is still just a it's skin just like anything else it's the external we're not working internally it's right. still the external of the body mm -hmm. and so we are used to putting needles in the external part of the body so I think it's more that it's our sex organ area that gets us all nervous but I don't think there really needs to be that much cause for uh, nervousness. In fact, 
I don't think it hurts any more mm -hmm. than a lot of the points on the wrist or the ankle, which are very sensitive. That's interesting. Even the yeah. feet and the and the wrist points are really, you know, sensitive. People always, you know, for and a, I, a second. Yeah, and I would think that especially when someone's had pain there for so long, it's like if you needle there, it's not going to make much. You know, they'll be. I think they'll be okay with that. Right. You know, they're not. I don't. I would. I couldn't imagine them being thinking that this is such a horrible right feeling. No, it's not. People yeah. tolerate it very well. Thank you. None of my patients have never tolerated. Every single person has tolerated mm -hmm. it. And in fact, when they go back to their PT, the PTs always remark how the tissue wow. has improved. That's amazing. In the area, uh -huh. so it brings blood flow and chi, and it creates new collagen. So it's, it's doing good. That's really interesting. And it releases musculature. Mm -hmm. So it's doing all those things. Right. So I would say to acupuncturists out there, you know, take the bold step. First mm -hmm. work on yourself and mm -hmm. take the bold step. And is there any, any other advice that you could, like if someone looks up, Google's an acupuncturist or hears of an acupuncturist through word of mouth, whether, anywhere in the country or the world like are there a few things that someone should look for in order to make sure that they're qualified or that they're good at what they do or is it trial and error oh I think it's always trial and error yeah. even if you seeing know, if you get along you know, with that yeah, person right mm -hmm. I mean part of it is is uh, you know a chem chemistry right. between people um, you know I would look at their website and see what their training is mm -hmm. uh, Certainly, somebody who works more on women's health mm -hmm. will be more versed in all of these issues. Uh, certainly, someone who also has more of a sports medicine background will be more versed in the whole musculature, um, musculoskeletal uh, issues. So those are the two things I would say, women's health and musculoskeletal. And is there any other advice that you have for patients listening who are suffering from pain um, and might feel lost or stuck or isolated and overwhelmed by how, how and when they're gonna get better. Um, I always recommend to all of my patients that they should start a meditation practice. Now meditation practice means a lot of different things to different people. Uh, you don't necessarily have to sit there in the lotus position mm -hmm. and you know in silence for half an hour you could do it for five minutes just sit in a chair listen to the sounds outside um you could walk in nature quietly uh you could do tai chi you could do gentle yoga any of these things on a you know a daily basis or you know a couple times a week that will help bring also help bring the nervous system down right. and stop. The main thing is to stop the catastrophic thinking and the rumination in Which the we mind. All have. Right. Mm -hmm. We got to stop that obsessive thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and that contributes a lot to the pain cycle. Yes, exactly. It's, it's really, it's real. Right. Yeah. It's real. It's real. Um, I was gonna, oh, so I read the other day that. If you meditate, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, that you have to meditate sitting up. You can't meditate lying down. It's not as effective or it's not considered real meditation. Is that true? 
Well, I'm not sure about mm-hmm. that, but I would say that falling asleep is not yes, that. the idea. So I think people tend to fall asleep too easily. When they're lying down. Right. Certainly, when you're in, at the end of yoga class, when you have the shavasana, mm-hmm. um, you're still not supposed to fall asleep, but it is supposed to be a type of meditation. A meditation, yeah. And you're supposed to, it's supposed to consolidate all the work that you did in the past hour or hour and a half. So, mm-hmm. but I would say it's not as effective because you could easily fall asleep, especially if you know if you work as hard as we all work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and one other question I wanted to ask you that I realized I skipped over was, can you share with us? Because I know you have so many amazing success stories, but I want you to share with us one or two particularly interesting ones. Um, so I shared this also on the pelvic summit. Uh, I had a patient a couple of years ago, she had debilitating pelvic pain. And she she saw a lot of the wonderful doctors here in the city and she was she went along on her journey and everybody helped. Mm-hmm. And then finally she was able to I don't even want to use the word cured, but her pain went away. She was at a much better place. What kind of pelvic pain did she have? She had um, vestibulitis. Uh-huh. So vulvodynia vestibulitis. Right. Um, so she decided when she was feeling better that she would do the New York City Marathon. And she was she, a patient of yours as well. Right. Uh-huh. And she was not a runner. Maybe she had run in college, but she wasn't like a runner. You're not supposed to do such high-impact stuff when you are a pelvic pain patient. Why did she decide she wanted to do this? I guess she just wanted to show that she was feeling better and that she was now healthy and that she was going to train and do something amazing. And she just wanted to do it once in her life. And she trained really systematically. And she was a very bright woman. And she ran the New York City Marathon. She wasn't trying to win. She was just trying to accomplish a goal, like tick off something on her bucket list. And she was able to do that. And it was just so inspiring. Mm-hmm. It really was. Wow. What role do you think that the acupuncture played in the healing? I think it was one of the tools yeah. that helped her heal. Yeah. Um, and I also helped her when she was training for the marathon with, you know, musculoskeletal stuff, the right. knees, the ankles, the hips. That's amazing. Um, yeah. That's really, that's crazy. Yeah. So, and so, you know, I would say that almost everybody does improve. Almost everybody does get better and finds a quality of life. And it just takes and time. And you've seen it in yeah. your practice. Yeah. It takes time, it takes patience, mm-hmm. and the, the main thing we have to do is stop that obsessive thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, so what's really interesting is I actually just started a book last night. The name of the book is called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, How to Lose Your Mind and Create a New One. It's by Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he says, your mind, the way that you think is what controls your body. And it controls everything. So what you tell yourself is what's essentially going to happen. It's what your body is going to think. Because your, your mind and your body, it's like the same thing. So the thoughts that you put in your head are the thoughts that you're, you put out into the world are the right. thoughts that your body feels. And the premise of the book is how you can change your thoughts, whether you have chronic pain or depression or 
I, loss. I or, totally believe in that, yeah. and I've had my own experience yeah. with that. I don't know if you want me to tell it. Yeah, I love um, that. So I won't get into uh -huh. specifics because it's very personal. Okay. But I was ruminating about something for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I was angry about something with somebody in my family for 10 years. And it was making me sick. And it was making, you know, it made me sicker and sicker and sicker. And my mentor did almost like I would call it an acupuncture exorcism on me and kind of a Buddhist thing. He said, figure out what it is that you keep going on and on in your brain. What is it that you keep saying? What, what is the one thing that you are attached to, the thought you're attached to? And then gently see if you can let go mm. of that thought and disattach. So it was very Buddhist. Mm -hmm. It worked. I was able to let go of that thing that was making me angry. And my health, everything, my whole life changed. My health improved. I made changes in my schedule and how I see things. And uh, I'm completely different. Yeah. It's so true. I, it's that's amazing. Yeah. I'm, thank you for sharing that. So, and it's, it's all, real. It's real. You know, it's just your mm -hmm. thoughts are, it's almost like your thoughts, you know, are molecules of their own that are, are affecting your body. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing he said was when we have one thing that's going wrong, we only can think, as humans, we only can think about that one thing. And that's just so unhealthy because. That one thing is so minuscule compared to the 20 other things that are going right. Right. So why can't we shift our entire perspective and think about the 20 or 10 or 5 or even the two other things that are well, amazing in your life? Well, that's what the whole life. gratitude right. is about. You know, the you know, give thanks maybe right. before you go to bed, practice gratitude every day. That's it's so smart. So I did last night. I, I you know, I said it and I've said on the podcast before. I've been the past few months. I've been feeling really good but for whatever reason yesterday i didn't feel great i like a little vulvodynia flare my back hurt i don't know what was going on not terrible but i didn't feel great and i was thinking about that thinking about that i was in bed thinking about that and and i was reading this book and i was like this is why am why am i thinking about this i'm thinking about it because i feel it but why am i thinking about that I get to do this podcast with you tomorrow and that I'm going to spend the weekend with my friends at the beach and that I have an amazing family and I have a career that I love and I have all these things that are providing me with so much happiness and such richness in my life. And right. this one thing that I don't feel, and not feeling well is a big thing. And it's not to say that that's like a small. No, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. Yeah. But it's like. But can you reframe it? Right. And I just so started, that it doesn't right. take over. Exactly. And I said, I want, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to feel, tomorrow's going to be, tomorrow's a new day, I'm going to feel better. And I woke up and I felt better. Now, yesterday, if you look at the weather and how it affects you. Yes. Yesterday was a horrible weather day. The barometer was really low. And according to doctors, you know, I've read some research about this our bodies react differently in That's different barometric pressures. Right. So there were reasons yeah. 
for you not to feel so, so well yesterday. Yeah. And if you could know that and remember that, uh-huh. you could just chalk it up and say, okay, today's a bad weather day. I'm going to get through it. Right. I'm going to treat myself well. I'm going to you know, buy myself an extra chocolate or right. an ice cream or something. Mm-hmm. A shirt, a yeah. dress. <laughs> um, and then you know, take yeah. care of yourself on those days. And tomorrow's a new day. Right. And that today the sun was, the barometer Beautiful. was completely different. I never knew that. It's I mean, I, like, I knew that, you know, it, the weather affects your mood, but there was yeah. more of the science behind it. So you don't have arthritis yet. Not yet. People who have arthritis <laughs> know this know because that. that affects their joints. Yeah, that's really interesting. That was a good tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other resources that you have to recommend? I would say... Here is the oh, perfect podcast. resource, <laughs> Thank you. the Pelvic Health Podcast. Um, also, the Pelvic Health Summit, mm-hmm. where there are uh, wonderful interviews with you, yeah. with tons of if, wonderful if no uh, practitioners. Listen to that yet. Yeah, it's on YouTube, and they're amazing videos. Wonderful. With all of the, the best doctors in New York. and I, I don't know how it. many were there, 20? There was like 50, I think. Really? I think so. 50. Yeah. So 50 videos as a resource. That's terrific. With all different doctors and pelvic pain specialists. It's really interesting. Uh, Yeah, that's true. That's a good resource. I haven't mentioned that in a while. And where can people contact you? My website is Mm mindypicard.com. My Instagram is mindy underscore Picard. So contact me. uh, Reach out. I would love to hear from you. I'm, I email everybody back within 24 hours. You're very fast at emailing. <laughs> You're, emailing, I think, is better than Instagram. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not as good at Instagram as I am at emailing. <laughs> no, we're, we're, I thought. I was teaching you. No, but email, you really are fast on email. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very, uh, you yeah. know. I was an executive, so yeah. I was one of the people who did get back to people. <laughs> I call everybody back. I email everybody back. Can I ask two quick questions that listeners have for you about acupuncture. Sure. And these questions are large questions and could be episodes in in and of themselves, but if you had to give a one minute answer for each of them, if that's possible, do your best. Okay. Um, And we went, so the first question is, how does acupuncture work for IC and endo? And you talked about this, but I guess just to reiterate, what would you say? Okay. So it's similar to pelvic, the other pelvic pain kind of treatments. There would be, it would be a full body treatment um, with local points in the area, uh, as long as that doesn't make people flare. Mm -hmm. Um, With both of those, I would also look at maybe incorporating Chinese herbs into the mix there, Mm -hmm. especially with the endo. There's a lot of blood stasis that occurs with endometriosis and you want to try to get rid of that. And the second question is, I have undiagnosable vulvar itching and dysuria and all over pelvic pressure. Any ideas? I would say that local needling in the area again would probably help a lot with helping the tissue out, especially with the itching. Mm. And again, I would say that there might be um, some Chinese herbs might help, a formula might help with that as well. Lastly, I would say, is there dryness? Is there still some kind of a bacterial infection that has not been found? Um, 
I think different gynecologists and urologists test differently. Mm. So I would make sure to, uh, to look into that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Is there anything else? I think that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of this powerful information and taking the time to do this. I'm, I'm excited for everyone to listen to this episode. Thank you for having me, Hannah. Yeah. Um, And to everyone listening, thank you again for tuning in. Please share your thoughts, comments, and questions about this episode or any other episode at info at the women's pelvic health podcast.com. I would love to hear from you. And as always, please rate and review the podcast in the iTunes store. I wish all of you health, healing, and happiness.